0: Welcome to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor, the show where you'll learn the real estate investing secrets of the pros. Your host, Sarah Jung, pulls back the curtain and shows you how to build wealth with real estate investing.
1: Welcome to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor, the show where we talk about the good, bad, and ugly when it comes to real estate investing. We discuss strategies for building long-term wealth through education and personal growth. I'm your host, Sarah Jung, and I'm the CEO and founder of Legacy Bloom Investments. Today, I wanted to talk about how we can use retirement funds for investing in real estate. So I'm really excited to have with us a special guest, Scott Moyer, who is the expert when it comes to using self-directed IRAs. Scott has worked for Advanta IRA since February of 2006 and serves as the Director of Business Development presenting various seminars, webinars, and educating the public on the intricacies of self-directed IRA investing. Additionally, Scott has also assisted numerous clients with investments using their self-directed IRA accounts. He's very familiar with the process involved for all types of investments. Scott is also a licensed attorney, having graduated from the University of Florida Law School in 2005. Thank you, Scott, so much for joining us today. I'm so glad that you could make it. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your background, and how did you get into self-directed IRA fund management, I guess. I don't know what you would call it, but how did you get into the space?
2: Sure, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Sarah. Uh, Yeah, how I got into the space, really, you mentioned in my bio there that I am a, by degree and by education, I'm a licensed attorney in the state of Florida, and the owner of our company, Advance IRA, is also a licensed attorney, and so I connected with him kind of professionally that way and found out that he had a self-directed IRA company was something I didn't know much about when I started back in 2006. And really, I learned the ropes the way many people maybe are who are listening to this podcast and watching just repetitively over and over again, the seminars, the webinars that we put on and we did to really get an understanding and learn it. So that's, I really got into the industry again, not really knowing much about IRAs and 401ks other than beyond that I knew that I had one from a prior job when I worked for, for the city of Clearwater. But other than that, it's, it was really, again, just immersing myself in the information and knowledge. When I started with the company, I helped people with the transactions themselves and going through the process of buying and selling alternative assets inside an IRA. And I've transitioned more now to the speaking and kind of educating portion of it. So I've kind of done a lot of it in my background with the self-directed IRA. And it really gave me a good foundation, I think, seeing what people were looking to invest in with their IRA, that now I can convey that to people now uh to explain the process and what's involved.
1: So just to be clear for our listeners, let's talk about what a self directed IRA is. Because you know when I started, when I first discovered it, when I heard self directed IRA, I was like, I had no idea what that was either. I didn't even know it existed. So tell us a little bit like what is it exactly?
2: Yeah, so a self directed IRA is an account, basically it's a retirement account in which the IRA owner has complete control over the type of investment that they wish to make. So the self-directed IRAs that we hold at Advanta, they are still at their core, a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA or a SEP IRA. Sometimes a lot of people are more familiar with those terms. The term self-directed just refers to your ability to take money you have in one of those types of accounts, again, a traditional or a IRA, a Roth or a SEP, and use that money to invest in the assets that you want to choose from. A lot of individuals who have their retirement accounts, either in an IRA or maybe an old 401k, are limited typically by the brokerage firms that hold those accounts. You're limited to only the products that that brokerage firm or that entity uh, will sell you or allow you to invest in. But a self-directed IRA is one in which you can go beyond the stocks, bonds and mutual funds and invest in a lot of different asset classes. Now, predominantly what we see at Advanta with our self-directed accounts are investments into real estate. Anything from single family homes to rehabs and and certainly up to the multifamily syndications uh, that we'll talk more about today. So a self-directed IRA just means that it's a retirement account, it's a tax deferred uh, retirement account where you can control exactly what you want to invest in rather than being limited by like again, a bank or a brokerage firm uh, from choosing one of their particular products.
1: So if I work for a company or let's say I work for an employer and I have a 401k, right? So that 401k we make contributions to, are we able to take that 401k and roll it into the self-directed IRA? Or is it a 401k account that maybe was with a previous employer? How does that work?
2: Yeah. So with the former employer plan, so your your 401k with a prior employer, you absolutely can do a tax-free rollover, from those accounts into a self-directed IRA account. There's no restriction on your ability to do that when it's a 401K with a past employer. Now, 401Ks with current employers, uh, I would encourage an individual to call their human resources and call the plan administrator uh, for that 401K and see if they have the ability to move money while they're still employed there. There are some companies that their 401K plans are written that you can do what's called an in-service rollover uh, out of that plan. Uh, into an IRA account. So if it's, again, past employer, it's it's very simple. It's just filling out paperwork to do a direct rollover to an IRA. The current employer, you're going to have to make a phone call and find out uh, what your eligibility is. Now, if you do have an IRA account already, so you've already maybe done the process of rolling over an old employer's plan into an IRA, you absolutely, without restriction, can transfer uh, IRA accounts as well.
1: Okay, so as far as the types of accounts that qualify, you'd mentioned 401k, IRA, and is there any other restrictions or anything that we should be aware of that may not qualify as far as any other previous types of retirement accounts?
2: Again, the only account that, generally speaking, can be restricted is those employer plans where you're currently still employed. That's where you're going to face a restriction uh, on your ability to maybe move that money. Again, if it's a current 401k. People who work for local school boards might have a current 403B or current 457 plan. That's really your only restriction. But if you have an IRA at any other firm or you have a past employer's plan, like an old 401K or an old 403B plan, there is no restriction on moving that money over to self-direct.
1: And as far as moving it over, how do you actually move it over? Is it just a rollover or how do you actually get the money out and how do you get it into the self-directed account?
2: Sure. It's by one of two ways. It's either by transfer or by rollover. And a transfer is when you move money directly from one IRA account to the other. Say a traditional IRA at a brokerage firm, you move that to an advanced self-directed account. That's done by an IRA to IRA transfer. Uh, when you're moving money from that old employer's plan, like a 401k to the IRA, it's considered a rollover. So a lot of people use rollover as kind of an all-encompassing term, but it kind of refers specifically to 401ks to IRAs, but that is a situation when we are helping people get started at the outset uh, is identifying the type of an account you currently have uh, to what you're opening up with us at Advanta, and then walking you through the steps of what paperwork is needed. You're either going to fill out a form uh, with us that we will submit on your behalf, or you're going to contact your other administrator to request forms from them to get that money moved. But whether you transfer a rollover money, it is a tax-free movement of money from one account to the other.
1: And that's really an important point. That I just want to emphasize when we say tax free. So we want to make sure that we're not getting taxed or penalized on the money that we're transferring, correct? So none of that is going to have any type of withdrawal or transfer penalties or tax penalties, is my understanding?
2: That is correct. So, yeah, that's something I think, unfortunately, I've had some clients in the past talk to a financial advisor or a broker about wanting to use their account to invest in real estate and they are hit with kind of a a uh, scare tactic, I guess, from the, the broker threatening, hey, you're gonna have taxes and you're gonna have penalties when you pull this money out of your account to invest in real estate. And what that broker doesn't really fully understand is that you're not pulling the money out as a distribution to you, which would be subject to tax or penalty, mm-hmm. but you're moving that money from an account where you're limited to investing in certain products to moving it to a self-directed IRA. It is never touching your hands and therefore when it doesn't touch your hands, it is not taxable, There's no penalty for moving that money as long as you're keeping it under that tax sheltered umbrella. And again, we walk you through that process and and help you out.
1: Yeah, because I've talked to investors and uh, that's been one of their main concerns. And I think that's a misperception is that they're going to be taxed on the money. And I've always told them, no, I don't believe that you are. It's just like rolling it into another retirement account. And as long as you don't, as you said, touch it, then you're good. Scott, what types of assets can somebody invest in, in terms of, you know, we've been talking about real estate, but just overall, what kind of investments can somebody actually use their self-directed IRA to invest in?
2: Sure, I can certainly list a number of those out, but it's also helpful, I think, to mention up front, the IRS only says there's two types of investments that you cannot make inside of an IRA. You cannot use your IRA to buy either life insurance Or collectibles like artwork, antique wines, stamps, things like that. Those are the only two prohibited investments to hold within an IRA account. So we have clients investing in all types of real estate. People invest in in physical gold and silver, foreign currency Mm -hmm. trading accounts, hedge funds, cryptocurrency. Again, as long as it's not life insurance or collectibles, it's really what you as the investor, what is your specialty? What are you looking at doing? We have a lot of people who do private loans, private notes and mortgages uh, mm. from their account. So, yeah, we've seen definitely a lot of interesting. I saw an individual buy a mausoleum crypt once in their IRA. Mausoleum crypts actually have titles. He was able to basically get a two-for-one deal on two crypts and say, hey, that's a good investment. If I can get two-for-one, I can resell them and make a profit.
1: That's interesting. And sorry for my <laughs> ignorance, but mausoleum crypt, what? what is that exactly?
2: <laughs> a mausoleum, A mausoleum crypt, rather than being buried below ground, it's like a <laughs> big... Oh, I yeah. see.
1: It's, it's the above ground kind of yes. coffin <laughs> looking. <Yes. Yep.
2: laughs>
1: That's very interesting. Wow. Who who would have thought that you could actually use a, a retirement fund to invest in something like that? That's
2: crazy. I, it, had, it had not entered my mind until he called me and asked me that. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: Um, so there's a question with investing in these types of assets. And it's actually really cool that you can actually buy notes and tax liens and go into multifamily syndications and that kind of stuff. Is there any restrictions as far as, do you have to be considered an active investor versus a passive investor? Like, is there a requirement by the IRS that says that these have to be passive investments?
2: Well, the one thing you have to be careful of when it gets to the active versus passive is that you as the IRA owner, you can't really do any work on behalf of a project or a property and you can't be compensated uh, as such as well. So if you were looking at buying real estate it really does need to be more from a passive standpoint you're know, you not doing any of the rehab you're not managing the product from a compensation standpoint i mean you may be making certain decisions if you own real estate you know helping select tenants or what work needs to be done on a property but you can't be the one actually physically doing that labor or that work so you do need to be careful especially when you're buying say rental properties or rehab mm-hmm. properties to be very careful about how you structure that you gotta gotta walk that line and make sure you're not taking that role. When it comes to, say, you know, real estate syndications, um, if you're going to be an active, say, general partner in that syndication, then your IRA cannot invest into that same structure because you're personally being compensated for your role as kind of that GP. So you, definitely IRAs are much more suited for passive investing than they are situations in when you want to have a more active role.
1: And what about, is there anybody that would be disqualified from participating? I've heard that there's what they call disqualified persons. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Sure. So for the IRS, again, no life insurance, no collectibles. They also do not want you to make an investment with your IRA in a situation when any disqualified person may transact with your IRA or get a benefit from your IRA account. So the disqualified persons for your IRA include you as the IRA owner, uh, your parents and grandparents, your children and grandchildren, and your spouse as well. So essentially you can't buy and sell properties between your IRA and one of those people you your IRA cannot lend money to any of those individuals or your IRA should not be investing into a structure or one of those individuals is again a GP or, or, or getting paid from the investment so when you're looking to do deals there's family involved you definitely want to make sure that they're the right family members and not the wrong ones again brothers and sisters aunts and uncles are technically not disqualified persons really um, yeah wow. so the As long as you're dealing with them on an arm's length basis, you can do investments with them, but directly up and down your lineal tree is what's prohibited with the IRA account.
1: Interesting. So when you talk about taking more of an active role, you know, because I think about, you know, if you're going to do a flip, for example, so you're going to go and buy property and you're going to renovate it and sell it. Is that a type of situation where you can use your self-directed IRA? It sounds like it may not qualify because you're taking a pretty active role. So... Is that something that you would recommend not doing with this type of money?
2: Well, I, th- I think if you were going to do it, you just need to be very careful. So we kind of define, at least at of how we handle it with our clients. Uh, if you were buying a flip, you'd want to make sure that your IRA has enough money, obviously, to cover the cost of acquisition mm-hmm. and then cover also all the rehab costs, including paying other people to do the work. We've had some clients flip properties in their IRA, but they've done so when they're kind of hands off all of the work. I mean, they're acquiring the property, uh, deciding what work needs to be done, but then having their IRA pay every third party to actually do all the work on that. So again, for people who want to use their IRA and they're gonna want to get their hands dirty and go in and do some of the labor, then it's not gonna work in that instance.
1: Got it. And so if we can kind of just talk a little bit about an example, or if you have an example that you can think of, we could kind of just give our listeners just kind of a real life example. so for example, if somebody has 300,000, let's say in their, or let's just say 100,000 in an old 401k account. They want to transfer or they're interested in investing and putting it into some type of a real estate. And they prefer to be hands off. What advice would you give them as far as how to use those funds or would you give any advice or would you kind of just leave it to the investor or do you give any guidance on that?
2: Yeah, we do have to be careful. We don't can't give advice, per se, and saying, hey, you you should do this type of investment. We can certainly suggest um, alternatives. And we do that through a lot of the educational events we do with the examples that we give. You know, for someone who wants to be completely hands off and not be involved with dealing with, say, the rehab or the tenants and the toilets and things that go on with the rental, that's a, a situation, I think, one of two investments usually ends up being the, the the right fit for that person. That's either doing kind of private lending where your IRA is mm-hmm. lending on a particular a property or investing in something like a real estate syndication where you're investing alongside of other people into a much larger project uh, and basically sitting back and just getting your, your monthly dividends without having to worry as much uh, about the day-to-day operations of, of the property. So I think for someone looking to be truly passive, you know, investing in the rentals and the rehabs, may not be their style because there's definitely going to be more more worries i should say and more work involved Mm -hmm. with them in managing and making sure that property is being run properly when you do private lending you might still have some worries about who your borrower is uh, in the property but if someone's paying consistently that's a good setup but certainly the multifamily syndications and those real estate deals where you know somebody else is in charge somebody else is being paid Mm -hmm, to make all the decisions run the property you can just sit back passively that usually i think is, is a great situation too
0: you're listening to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor. Want a free guide to behind-the-scenes secrets of real estate investing? Head on over to LegacyBloom.com and claim your free book today.
1: So the money that you're getting back from these properties, that money gets paid directly back into the IRA account. How does that work?
2: Yep. so if your IRA is making any investment, whether it's the rental properties or syndications, the income generated from that investment has to come back to the IRA account. The IRA is the investor, not you as an individual. So whether it's the monthly rental income or it's a, you know, a monthly or quarterly distribution from a syndication, um, in that case, the syndication will write a check or send an ACH transfer directly back to your IRA account with us. We receive it. uh, We deposit it into your account. That's kind of our role as a record keeper for your account Mm -hmm. is to help, help the asset get purchased properly. But then also after that's been done, Receive income, credit it to your account, pay any expenses related to assets as well. So yeah, we provide the syndicator with ACH instructions or check instructions to to send those funds over.
1: And let's talk about multifamily a little bit because we have quite a few investors that seem to use their self-directed IRA funds. Do you find that that's a common source of funding for a lot of investors, especially taking on a passive role to go into kind of these larger uh, real estate uh, syndication type deals?
2: I think it is. I think it's for a couple of different reasons why IRAs can be attractive for a multifamily investment. And one is for a lot of people, you know, the money in their IRA, their 401k, that's money that they're looking to use, say 15, 20 years from now. The money they have in their personal savings account is building up and maybe it's being invested, but it's there for that rainy day, you know, a job loss or health emergency Mm -hmm. or something like that. So someone who's looking to tie up their money and say a three to five year investment the IRA can be a little more attractive because they weren't planning on touching that money anyway. They may not want to lock up, say, personal savings account for three to five years in the case they do have, God forbid, one of those emergencies pop up. So I think that's one of the attractive reasons why multifamily for, for people looking to make it using their IRA because it's it's money that they almost don't even think about. They almost forgot they had it. And in fact, a lot of people don't know this is possible. So they go, oh, wow, I, did, I didn't even know I could use my IRA. Now that that's an option, definitely, you know, I'll put some money towards your projects. It's a kind of a different thought process I think people have with the retirement funds versus, say, a personal savings account.
1: And what are your thoughts as far as using a self-directed IRA as far as risk level? I know this is a little bit of a loaded question, but typically you're, you're going to be rolling or transferring funds from your traditional 401k that's in stocks or mutual funds or whatnot, and then you're going to be putting it into, into a real estate asset. Do you give any guidance as far as if people ask about the risk? You know, if they, like, for example, they go into a syndication.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's something we don't get asked a lot about because a lot of times when people get to the point where they're talking to us, they probably already analyzed some of that risk factor uh, and decided that this is the type of an investment they wish to make, whether it's IRA or not. It's something that so many people who invest in real estate for, for a living or been doing it for a while. A lot of our clients feel that the stock market, quite frankly, is far riskier than in real estate investments. But certainly people do every now and then they have, you know, they'll talk to a broker or an advisor who kind of warns them that this is risky you know riskier the stock market i mean we don't said we don't really get into that advice i just kind of point them to the direction though if it's something you feel comfortable with you see the return you see what's going on you understand the financials behind the investment itself it's no more risky than you know buying an investment on the stock market in fact in some cases a lot of people again our clients feel much less risk involved with investing in say a piece of real estate where they know the owner and they know the financials behind it as opposed to taking a gamble on wall street and say, Oh, the stock's low. I have a feeling it's going to rebound. And then, you know, six months later that company is bankrupt and they're out of business.
1: Yeah. Well, that definitely makes sense. One other question that I have. So when, for example, you know, let's say you buy real estate or you go into a real estate syndication and they sell the property. So let's say in three to five years, they sell the property off and there's profit made from the sale. What happens then that profit goes back into the IRA? I'm assuming. And, And is that all tax-free kind of what happens at that point of sale?
2: Yeah. So the, again, whether whether you're selling a a, a rental property or or a syndication gets sold and you're paid off the funds from the proceeds, you know, your portion of that comes right back into your IRA account. There's no tax consequence to you as an individual, that money is going back to the IRA. It doesn't apply to you. Uh, That's kind of something to think about when you're looking at the investment. Um, and kind of calculating that into your overall return. But in, in general, the funds and the profits all come back to the IRA. So if you invest in, say 100,000, uh, and at the end of that three to five year period, your distributions and the profits add up say 150,000. Um, now you just have more money to go into either to your next deal to put back in the stock market. Uh, it really is up to you. But again, no tax consequence to you. You just have to check uh, and look into the UBIT issue if there is, is leverage involved with the investment you were participating in.
1: Okay. That's good to know. We will definitely look into that. So it's kind of it just reminds me of a rinse and repeat type of method, right? So you just continue rolling it over. And you know, if the syndication the real estate sells, you just continue to just uh, roll it into the next deal.
2: Yeah. And I would say for those types of investments, especially if you're listening to the podcast and you're thinking about raising your own money, I think one of the good things about that I've seen with self-directed clients, certainly ours involved, is that if you do right by them, you know, if they, if they make a a decent profit off their investment, they're happy to put that money right back into uh, your next deal. We have one client I think who owns probably between eight and 10 different syndications uh, investments in his IRA. And I think about five of them are with one firm that he's done investments with and another three or four with another. So he, you know, again, he was a repeat investor. He called it his mailbox money. Every (laughs) month the check just shows up, gets deposited to his IRA. He doesn't have to think much more about it than that. But for him, that was, you know, somebody proved their worth and proved they were going to do what the prospectus and the financials he'd read about. And so he he bought in, bought one investment and just continued going from there.
1: Now, was it say a multifamily deal or what type of deal was it typically?
2: Uh, yeah, there were, there were some multifamily. I think there was like some apartment complexes. He was with some apartment complex developers as well. Nice. So, yep.
1: Yeah, no, that sounds like a great strategy for a lot of people. And I And again, I think... It's important to for us to just educate people out there that this is something that is available to them. And, you know, if you want to get into real estate, that this is a way that you can actually do it. And you don't have to have cash to do it. In. And it's less risk in terms of having your funds in the stock market, just like Scott was talking about. So, you know, you at least know where your money is, where, what you're investing in specifically because it's a, a physical asset.
2: Um, yeah, and I would say, I mean, there's a lot of wealth that is built in this country with real estate and these types of investments. So, people out there who are looking at their IRAs and 401ks of the brokerage firm and then kind of wondering why am I not getting as fast ahead as other people, or, you know, how, to, how do people like Warren Buffett and, and Mitt Romney, you know, those people, build mm-hmm. such large retirement accounts? They do look for other alternatives outside of kind of the conventional. You know, people making. Millions in their IRA didn't do so just based off of putting away five or six grand a year and then picking some mutual funds. That doesn't happen. Mm. So you have to look outside and look for alternatives. And I think these real estate investments, the syndications especially, give you that opportunity to participate in something else, get a better rate of return, and hopefully then grow your money that much more quickly.
1: Well, I think it's a great idea. And uh, I think you've been doing a great job educating people. And by the way, Scott is with Advanta IRA. IRA, how do you see your company's IRA. IRA. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your company.
2: So yeah, we've been around since 2004. I mentioned our owner is an attorney. He's also a CFP. And he started the company back in 2004. We were a franchise of a larger organization at that time. But in 2012, the franchise program ended and we just continued in our business. And, and the only thing we do at Advanta is self-directed retirement account administration. We do not sell any products. Uh, we don't do any advising. We simply act as a record keeper and administrator that Again, people who find an alternative investment, something that their brokerage firm or their bank isn't willing to hold, we will hold it. And again, that's, I guess, another key thing to remember about what a self directed IRA is. It's not that these investments into real estate or syndications are somehow uh, illegal or wrong because you can't buy it through your brokerage firm. It's just the fact that your brokerage firm doesn't want to hold it. That's not their mm-hmm. business model. It doesn't mean the IRS says you can't. It just means that that particular firm you're, you're talking to doesn't want to deal with it. But That's what we do at Advantage, just simply that record-keeping administration. Uh, We have an office in Tampa. Florida is where our home office is based. We also have an office in Atlanta. But we work with clients all over the country. So it doesn't matter where you're located. We have clients in, I don't know if it's all 50 states, but it's certainly in a number of them.
1: Well, and Scott, I have to give you a lot of credit because you've worked with a number of my investors, and all of our investors have left working with you you're very, very knowledgeable. And uh, if anyone is interested um, to make sure to reach out to Scott and Scott, what is your um, email address or how do, how do listeners reach you?
2: Sure. You can reach me Uh, my email. is my first initial, it's S for Scott and my last name, uh, M-A-U-R-E-R at advantaira.com. You can also reach me uh, toll free at 800-425-0653 and my direct extension. Uh, is 1123. So anyone anyone listening, please call, please email me. Uh, I am more than happy to answer your questions on what the process is involved, walking you through it uh, for your particular instance. I found that over the years, that's something that's key too, is uh, each individual uh, is different. They have their own individual set of concerns, questions, their types of accounts. And so please call me for that kind of that one-on-one back and forth so I can answer your specific question.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Scott, for offering that. So Scott, I'm gonna kind of pivot a little bit in our discussion and you know, my podcast here is about real estate confessions. And so I wanted to just ask you, if you had a confession that you'd like to make to our listeners, anything you'd like to share?
2: Well, I don't, don't say like, want to share, but I will. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think this is a good lesson. I think failure to really look at all the details. I think that's something I've seen in our industry you know, people who, who miss the finer points. It's important to take notes and keep track of that. And when I was, uh, one of my first jobs out of college, I worked in the uh, recreation department of a, of a city and I was responsible for summer camps. And so I planned all the summer camps. I arranged the field trips each week for each group of students. Uh, and I sent one of them and they were all excited to go on like a rafting trip, a, like a little, um, just down a, down a you know nice spring on, on a, basically a tubing trip. And I gave them, I gave the people who were going, I didn't go with them. I said, here's my credit cards. You can pay for everybody's admission when you get there, uh, et cetera. Well, it was about an hour and a half away and they get the buses there and they're calling me to tell me that the place does not take credit cards. They will only take a check. (laughs) And that's one detail I did not find out when I was booking the trip. It didn't occur to me. I'm like, oh, we can just use a credit card because, and that figured everybody takes credit cards and they didn't. You would just kind of
1: assume that, right? (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. And unfortunately, the kids had to get back on the bus and come back. So I was oh, no. very embarrassed, felt terrible, tried to make it up to the kids with another field trip the next day and let them go do something else. But you know, again, it, it was a learning experience for me that you don't just assume uh, everything's going to go fine, everything's going to go well. There's sure. You know, you Make sure you, you know each detail and have those I's dotted and T's crossed.
1: Yeah. Well, especially when it comes to buying and holding or selling real estate, there's so many details involved. Do you have any advice for everybody out there in terms of what they could do? And kind of, you know, sitting where you are at, you work with a lot of investors and clients, anything that you could give a piece of advice to for newer investors?
2: I think it's similar to what I was saying with my confessionary. It's not only getting the details right, but getting educated too. And and taking the time to watch a few webinars, listen to some podcasts, do some reading. So, you know, I I think the more educated you are on the topic, the more comfortable you're probably going to feel getting involved and education can be those online resources it can also be that person in a networking group who seems like they've done a lot of investment deals picking their brain Um, you know there are a lot of really good-hearted people out there in the real estate investment community who are willing to you know take you under their wing and act kind of as a mentor at times uh, when you find the right person so get educated and then that'll in turn help you make the right connections and guide you on on the right path
1: that's great advice scott I really appreciate your time today. It's, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much sure. for taking care of my clients and all of our investors and all of your just really great advice and guidance that you've given us. Uh no especially problem. Yes, especially uh, the last year or so that we've been working with you. Again, re- please reach out to Scott if you have specific questions about your situation. And uh, I thank everybody for listening. If you are interested in participating in multifamily syndication, please visit my website at www.legacybloom.com. Thank you everyone for listening and have a wonderful day. Till next time.
0: Thanks for listening to 50 Shades of Wealth, Confessions of a Real Estate Investor with Sarah Jung. Make sure to visit us at LegacyBloom.com, where you can join our investor club and grab a free copy of Sarah's latest book. And if you like the show, don't forget to leave us a quick review. Be sure to tune in next time as Sarah pulls back the curtain once again and shares more Confessions of a Real Estate Investor.